Welcome to Run This World. My name is Nicole DeBoom. I'm a former pro athlete turned entrepreneur. Each week, I'll bring you insights and inspiration from some of the world's greatest visionaries who will help you run your world in ways that you didn't even realize were possible. All in the framework of the amount of time it takes for the average person to run a 5K. That's 36 minutes and 38 seconds, give or take a mile. We often go long, so get ready. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Now let's get this workout started. Hey everyone, are you ready for an awesome weekend? I am super excited because I get to celebrate two birthdays a year. My own birthday is on February 17th. I turned 45 this year. And the birthday of my firstborn child, Skirt Sports. I always feel like one day isn't enough to love on yourself. So we are in the middle of a week-long birthday party with Skirt. And uh, what I ended up doing is enlisting one of my favorite people in the world, Dr. James Rouse, the founder of Healthy Scoop, to help me deliver, in his world, some spirit, love, and inspiration while I deliver some workouts and body love. So what we're doing is we're choosing a winner every day. And what you need to do is enter the contest at skirtsports.com backslash win dash big. Skirtsports.com backslash win dash big. So Skirt's uh, Skirt's birthday is actually the anniversary of the day I won my one and only Ironman, Ironman Wisconsin on September 12th, 2004, wearing the first ever running skirt. You can go to the store in Boulder on 28th and Pearl to see the first ever running skirt up on the wall in a shadow box. It looks like a loincloth, but you know, we all have to get started somewhere. And you cannot write a better script to start a company than creating, having an idea, creating a prototype, wearing it in the hardest competition and winning. So basically it was fate. I had to do it, (laughs) had to start this thing. Um, I took my idea, I turned it into a few thousand skirts, and I went to market. And the rest is history. We are about to hit the 13th year mark. (laughs) I'm going to call it our lucky 13. So if you are in Boulder, please join us on Tuesday, September 12th for a little rager at the store. Uh, We start at 5.45 with Shake It With Shira, which is a little Zumba workout, which is always hilarious and fun, followed by shopping. Everyone who comes gets 20 bucks to spend on whatever they want, followed by um, a talk by me and a talk by Dr. James, both of which will be fun and full of love and inspiration. And dinner is sponsored and served up by Noodles and Company, a massive birthday cake by Kim and Jake's gluten-free gourmet yummy cakes. Plus, Scoop, Dr. James Company, has a new protein cookie they're launching. And you get to try some of the first ones. So get over to the store 545 till 8-ish on Tuesday the 12th. Okay, now that we're all full of skirt sports love... I want to introduce you to our guest today, Nellie Acevedo. So I discovered Nellie because she's a skirt sports ambassador, and I've always been drawn to her incredible energy and her ability to connect to women on a very real level. 
Nellie is a New Yorker with Jamaican roots who climbed the ladder in the financial world to find herself in a position where she had a great job and made great money, but she just wasn't happy. I think a lot of us can relate to that. So today, here she is today. She's a full-time blogger, and as she says in the podcast, took a ginormous pay cut to do it, who has two kids, she can be there for them more frequently, and while she makes a lot less money, she's a whole lot happier. I think you'll find Nellie's outlook refreshing. She's a deep thinker who shares openly about the path she's taken. Um, Pay attention to the core values she mentions. We could all benefit from stepping back for a moment, pushing pause, and thinking about what our core values are today. Do our lives reflect our core values? That's your big question. Because when things are in alignment, that's when the magic happens. Also, if you want to check her out, make sure you go to brooklynactivemama.com. That is Nellie's blog. It's really awesome. She is just a bundle of energy and information, and she's one of the most inclusive people you'll ever meet. All right, then. With that, let's bring her on. All right, are you ready to roll? I'm ready. Awesome. Well, I am so excited to have you on the show today, Nellie. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Really, it's just me, not us, but it feels like us because this podcast is like about bringing people together, you know? Definitely. And letting people know that you're not alone in the world. And that's what I love about you and what you're doing. And one of the reasons I really wanted to bring you on is that so many people listening are sitting here thinking about, well, who am I today? You know, I'm 30, I'm 40, I'm 50, I'm 60, whatever. I'm different than I was before. What are the things that are important to me now and what defines me? And this, and you are a person who I just feel has come full circle and figured out what those things are. So just hearing that big, broad statement, how does that make you feel? No pressure. Uh, (laughs) It definitely took me a while, (laughs) but I have absolutely come full circle and I have started to figure out exactly who I am, what I want to say yes to, and what I definitely want to say no to. And that is incredibly powerful and incredibly liberating. So we got to get, we have to get down and dirty on how you came to this point in your life. I want to hear a little bit about where you grew up and, and you know, what your formative years were like. Yeah, for sure. So I grew up um, in a single parent household with my mom. Uh, I have been in Brooklyn, New York my entire life, so I am very much a city girl, very much a concrete girl, <laughs> very much someone who loves their bodega at, on, the, you know, on the corner of their block kind of girl, um, but I was raised with my mom, my grandma was upstairs, my auntie was downstairs, we had a three-family home in Brooklyn. And I'm still here in Brooklyn now. Um, I was raised with amazing values, core values. My entire family is from Jamaica. And I am the first American-born person, citizen, or whatever, from, you know, in the U.S. So it was interesting kind of learning how to grow up as, one, a, you know, black American woman, but also as a Caribbean American woman. So it was very interesting to learn both sides. And it was a ton of fun, to be honest. So I had a really, really great childhood. 
Well, tell me, you mentioned core values and growing up with really strong core values. What were they? Well, some of my core values were always be honest. <laughs> I can never really pull one over on my mom. And so I learned to just stop early. But uh, what, let's talk about that for a minute because yeah. I think there's levels of honesty. And yes. the first, the number one level of honesty is being honest with yourself. Yes. So how, how did you, how are you able to accomplish that? Is there like a sign or a feeling or something that you've been able to learn and recognize that tells you when you're not being honest with yourself? That probably did not come along until much later on. I want to say maybe towards the end of high school, beginning of college. Um, because I even noticed, you know, at the end of high school that I really didn't want to fit in. And, you know, everybody wants to fit in. But it, it was a point where I said, I really don't want to fit in. And I want to wear oversized clothing. And I don't want to, you know what I mean? Like, so it was just like, at that point, I realized that I needed to do whatever it took for me to be comfortable, for me to be happy, for me to feel safe and not necessarily uh, follow along with everyone else. Well, yeah, and that's actually a really hard thing to do at that age because of peer pressure Absolutely. and insecurities. And so obviously that takes a lot of inner strength. It does. It does. And I think it was a point where I had to choose. And it was, I, I remember very specifically that I had gone out to try out for the cheerleading team and I didn't make it. And it was like, everything to me and I thought that once I made this cheerleading team I was gonna be you know the best person and the coolest girl and I didn't make it I got cut and it was like a time of for me you know a come to Jesus moment where I just had to be like wait what do I really love and I realized that I love being a part of the poetry club and I love tennis and I loved bowling like of all things I was captain of the bowling team and it was like right in that final senior year was really when I came into my own and realized that I need to do things that I love, not necessarily things that everybody else loves. Wow. That is, it's about embracing who you are. And you yeah. know, you mentioned like this, this thing, we, we all do this, right? We set these finish lines. Yeah. Once I make the cheerleading team, I will be dot, dot, dot. And at the end of the day, what you really want to say is I'll be happy once yeah. I make the team. Yeah. Right. Once I finish the race, once I win the marathon, once I, you know, whatever it is, yeah. but you might cross the line and like have a momentary feeling of happiness, but it's not a fulfillment. Right. What you're talking about is like when you fully embrace who you are and then there's fulfillment that comes, right? Yeah. Because whatever you're doing, when you embrace it, it is something that is touching your heart and filling your heart every single time. So it's really, it's something that you love to do, something that fills you up in a really positive way, and it doesn't really have a finish line. Ah, uh, and that is, that's so hard for us competitive athletes to like not have a finish line for things, but man, when you get there, how liberating is that? It's so amazing. Wow. Okay. So, so one of your core values, be honest. What about the other kind of honesty, just like trying to get away with stuff? Do you have any stories or <laughs> moments where you realize like that was really bad? <laughs> yes, of course I do. <laughs> do you have all day or no? Um, my, 
I have one story that I remember very clearly. I was 12 years old, and um, back then it was totally fine for an 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 year old to go to school and jump on two buses, get to school. You know, it was totally fine back then. Times have changed dramatically. But my mom had punished me for something that I did. I don't remember. I had a pretty bad attitude when I was 13 years old. So it was probably due to my attitude. But my mom had punished me and she said that I couldn't go to the school carnival. So I was devastated because there was a boy that I liked that was going to be there and we had been planning this whole day and I was so excited to go. So when my mom went to work, I decided I'm going to go anyway, right? Because there's nobody really kind of paying attention to me and my mom's at work and I'm at home by myself. So I said, I'm going to go anyway. I went to the carnival, uh, had a good time. <laughs> and left early enough so that I can come home before she did. Um, I actually ended up on my way home stopping at a pizza shop. And I stopped at the pizza shop with my, you know, guy friend um, at the time. And who walked in but my aunt. Oh, <laughs> totally busted. The aunt that lived with me at that. And uh, I was totally busted. I I had no words and I was grounded for pretty much like the rest of the summer. It was pretty bad, but it was, it was a big lesson to me on, on trying to pull a fast one. And even though I thought I had covered all my bases and dotted all my I's and crossed all my T's still, I ended up <laughs> getting discovered. Well, and it's, it's, so it's not about like, well then how can I do it better? How can I cheat the system better next time? Like, was there a moment of reflection even at that young age that maybe it wasn't worth it? It totally wasn't worth it in the end because for the next couple of weeks, I couldn't have anything. I couldn't have my, you know, back then it was Sega Genesis. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't have any of that stuff. So it wasn't worth the couple of hours at the festival at all. Yeah. And that boy would have been there for you either way. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe not. I don't know, but... Um, no, I mean, he, did, he, he, he could have absolutely, like, we could have met each other, like, the next week or something. It wasn't it wasn't as um, pertinent that I absolutely go. You know right, what I mean? Right. Well, it's funny. You did marry your high school sweetheart, didn't you? I did. But that wasn't the same boy. It wasn't. <laughs> okay, we're going to get to him in a minute. That was two years later, actually. Oh, I, my goodness. I met my husband when I was 15 years old. Oh, wow. Okay, well... Let's uh I want to hear a little more of your core values growing up and then we're going to we're going to move into relationships. Okay. So being honest was really important and that was ingrained by your strong, you know, female-centric household. What other core values? Definitely work hard. So I was always taught that nothing will come easy and everyone in your family has worked hard to get you here. So you will have to work hard in return. And I took that very seriously in high school and in college. Um, and as I went to get my master's degree and my certificate in project management, I really, really took to heart the fact that I have to work hard. I have to do this paper. I cannot go to this party. I need to put everything I have into my schoolwork so that I can, you know, reap the benefits later. 
Is there ever a point with the hard work ethic where there's sort of a point of diminishing returns? Like, you know, there there can sometimes be this, uh, it's almost like the junk miles mantra, like just pile on more time, but you're not actually getting the quality out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not too sure about that. I mean, I really feel that hard work pays off eventually. It may not be today or tomorrow, but it definitely does pay off. I Even if you're not seeing it right this minute. So for me, hard work is mm. something just, you know, like the hay is in the barn, as they say. So you just like continually, you know, you work hard, you put your best foot forward, and you will see the benefits of that eventually. You know, that's a really good point because for a lot of people listening, they're, they're, they're athletes, right? Or they're trying to do their first 5k and there's a period of time in your training when it does not feel good. And you're like, why am I doing this? I can't imagine that it's really going to pay off. So it's like what you're saying is having faith in the outcome. Yes. And I had, I needed a lot of faith when I was training for my first marathon two years ago because I had gone from never running to training for my first marathon. So there were many weeks. I mean, the 15-mile long run, the 16-mile long run, you know, the weeks where they want you to repeat. (laughs) It was hard. And anyone who's ever done a marathon or anything more than a half marathon knows that once you get past that 13.1, things change dramatically. Um, So it's taken a lot it took a lot of faith that first year training for um, my marathon, NYC marathon. And my 20 miler was very difficult. And it was so difficult to the point where, and it was about three weeks out from the race, I believe. It was my longest run of my training cycle. And it was so difficult to the point where I was like, okay, so maybe I'm not going to do this marathon, but I still showed up at the start line, you know? So it's really it's really a lot of faith. Yes. And making sure that you continue to show up even yeah. when you're struggling. And I mean, all of this is coming from the core values that were instilled in you when you grew up. Absolutely. It's amazing. Are there any others that you want to bring up? Um, no, those are the main two. Be honest and just do the hard work and everything else good will come to you. You know, uh, growing up with um, coming, being the first generation born in America, right? Coming yeah. from Jamaica, did you ever feel like an outsider? Um, no, I never felt like an outsider because I was raised in a predominantly Caribbean community. So there were a lot of us. There were a lot of people who had uh, immigrated from various islands and we were all the products of, you know, their hard work. So we all could relate to each other in many different ways. So it was a super amazing blessing to be raised in this very Caribbean centric community. Yes. And, and it probably helped give you confidence that other kids your age may not have had. Yeah, 100%. Um, just, just, because you knew that other people understood your values and your core values and, and, and people from the Caribbean, as much as they're coming from different countries, we all kind of have the same sort of ethics, the same sort of um, way that we're raised and we could all relate to each other. 
So it was a really, really, really amazing thing just being in this Caribbean neighborhood. You know, let's talk, let's move into relationships then because this is a good time, you know, yeah. as you talk about community here. Yeah. I actually do want to hear about meeting your freaking husband when you're like 14 or 15 years old. I mean, <laughs> seriously, this is very rare. So you got to tell us the story. I know. And it's really funny that I'm telling this story because today is our 10 year anniversary. <gasps> oh my gosh. Congrats. That's so awesome. <laughs> but not 10 years from when you met. <laughs> well, 19 years. We've been together 19 years. Wow. Wow. And, uh, in, uh, today is 10 years, August, you know, we, we've been together. Well, I hope so, you have something fun on the books for tonight. <laughs> I mean, we, we're, we got some, we got some stuff planned. So, um, I met my husband, like I mentioned before, I was a part of the poetry club and I met him in the poetry club and we had been friends for a while and, you know, we started, you know, like playing around or whatever. We never really liked each other. And it was like very interesting because, you know, he is Puerto Rican and I am, you know, African-American. So it was like, okay, like, I don't know if we're ever date or whatever, but back then, which was two. No, sorry. 1998. You know, it wasn't super um, like nobody really mixed races in our school. So uh, one day, he, this is this is his story. But he said that one day I was eating a sandwich and I was pretty gross eating my sandwich, and he thought that was really cute. So <laughs> wait, um, was it like falling all over your face? And you, who knows? Like, you know, lettuce with mayo and stuff. Like, it was just like, you know. That's hilarious. <laughs> so wait, that, that what's funny is that attracted him to you. I know. That's what I always <laughs> say. And I'm like, I really enjoyed my sandwich that day. Like, okay. But he, um, he approached me after that and he asked me out. And <laughs> three months later, because we got together on March 26, 1998. I finally decided to be his girlfriend, which was a big deal. You know, I was 15 years old and, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend at that time. It's like, mm -hmm. well, yeah, um, but three months later, he fake proposed inside of poetry club. <laughs> like, 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 a ring, like, a, a, you know, a popcorn ring and wow. fake, I still have the picture and he fake proposed. <laughs> in poetry club and I was like oh my gosh you know like you're just like all of this amazing um young love situation and wouldn't you know it nine years later he would be my husband he real proposed one day <laughs> I know he, he real he real he did it well too I wasn't expecting it at all and he real he real proposed in front of uh Disney World uh the castle wow uh, during the fireworks like he couldn't and I, I'm a really cheesy corny girl so like that was like the best thing ever um, and I was really shocked when we were we had decided to go on a vacation and he was getting on all the rides with this amazing ring in his pocket and he was nervous about it and at the very end of the night he proposed and that was that wow and so you end up marrying this man that you met when he was a boy in poetry club. I mean, there's definitely some romantic uh, vibes there from the very start. <laughs> um, 
So how do you stay connected in your marriage over all these years? Well, number one, I know it sounds cliche, but we are best friends. We're best friends from the core. Um, We talk through everything. And I probably drive him crazy, but literally every little thing that I'm dealing with internally, whether it's with blogging or whether it's with entrepreneurship or with our kids or whatever it is, we talk it out. And I just talk out loud and he just kind of hears me out. Like whenever I have like a little pull or something is pulling against and and I'm trying to figure something out, we talk it through. And I think that is so important because as much as we try to hold on to things and deal with things ourselves individually, it's super important to have another person to kind of bounce things off of. Absolutely. I mean, that is the dream and the goal, but not only that you'd be best friends, but that you would also have that like romantic and physical chemistry. Absolutely. And that's never stopped, which is like really insane because I was always kind of worried that it would because we've been together for so long, but it's never like the flame has never died down. Wow. This is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Even with two kids. Okay. So let's talk about this. You, uh, you popped out a couple kids they're yeah. uh, what five and eight years old. Yes, two boys. Wow! And um, you know, you go through a lot of changes when you're pregnant. Tell oh, yeah. us a little bit about that journey for you. Um, pregnancy was fun. I mean, it was nine months into our marriage when I found out that we were pregnant. So you know, that whole "let's go travel" thing kind of went out the window. <laughs> um, but pregnancy was actually a lot of fun, and he enjoyed it as well. Uh, the actual giving birth part was not fun because I had to have an emergency C-section the first time and a planned C-section the second time. Mm -hmm. Um, But being pregnant with him was awesome. He came to every appointment. He was extra, extra um, caring during that time. He would, any kind of crazy, weird craving I had, he would make it happen. And it it was a lot of fun. We need to get some pointers from him. He needs to start a blog, help other. Uh, I mean, maybe it's the moms that need to read his blog to give their husbands the hit, the, the, the tips. Um, now, were you already a runner during this time? And were you, you know, were you an active pregnant woman? Um, I was an active pregnant woman, but I was not a runner. I didn't become a runner until three years ago. And when I do things, I do things big. So I said, I've only run 5Ks in my life, so I'm going to go and I'm going to run a half marathon. And I trained to run a half marathon. And within a year, I said, I'm going to run a full marathon. So it's like I kind of just go for the whole gusto when it comes to running. But with when I was pregnant with the boys, I did a lot of walking. Um, I did a lot of dance. I did a lot of Zumba. And that was the way I kind of got through. Yep. And you were able to come out the other side, especially with C-sections. I actually had one too. And, yeah. and it's, uh, it's definitely, they're not anything anybody wants to plan for. Not at all. You know, and the emergency ones, clearly you're not expecting that. That's not what you thought you would have in your road to recovery. So it's, it's a lot of, um, I think, being forgiving of yourself and not trying to get back too quickly. 100%. Um, when I had my second son, 
I had such bad swelling in the lower region, like uh, my calf area, to the point where I couldn't stand on my feet because I couldn't feel my feet to stand on them. Uh, so I think it's important for women who have C-sections to really recover. It is a major surgery and it affects everything that you do. So I didn't start working out after the second one until maybe eight or nine weeks later, even though I wanted to, I wanted to make sure that everything was okay. Oh, absolutely. I remember walking, I remember trying to walk, go for a walk about a week or 10 days after, and I felt like I was drunk, and I don't drink, and it's been a decade since I've had a drink, and I was like, this feels really bad. Yeah. Something is wrong with me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you've got to, like, I think athletes have an advantage over a lot of other people because we are more in tune with our bodies and listening to our bodies. Yeah. Definitely. So um, tell me, how and why did you start running then? You've mentioned these you know, cool accomplishments, but we want to know why did the Brooklyn active mama pick up running? Okay. So again, I like to set challenges for myself and I like to crush those challenges and move on. So I would like to blame running. I always blame running on the amazing marketing of Disney world. Now you already know that Disney world has a special place in my heart because that's where I got engaged, right? But when I saw the commercial for how to run like a princess marathon with you can get dressed up as a princess and run through the castle, I was sold. Like they had me. That's yes, please let me do this. So um, Disney got you running? Disney got me running. Hashtag <laughs> Disney got me running. <laughs> That is so amazing. So what is the thing about Disney for adults? Like, what is the draw? Is it just this, like, magical, you know, romantic notion? Or tell me. You Well, you get to play dress-up, which is, like, the best. Um, <laughs> so, like, my first year, I dressed up as Belle. And then, like, my second year, I was Snow White. And then I was um, uh, Princess Tiana, which was fun. But it's, like... The dress-up part is a lot of fun, but also the expo is great. It's fantastic. Um, being in Disney World afterwards, so it's like a racecation situation, so you can go and ride the rides afterwards and spend some time there and enjoy all the fine dining. Uh, but I think it's really, it's more empowering than anything because women of all the, the way all say all sizes, all shapes, um, all pace levels, they all show up to princess. You know, you'll have someone that finishes the the um, the half in about an hour and twenty minutes, and then you'll have someone that finishes in four hours. So it's really it runs the gamut with the type of people that run, but it's really an awesome uh, environment to run in. Yes, you are running early in the morning yes the sun is coming up while you're running but at the same time you know there's a lot of smiles on the course there's a lot it's, it's not like super competitive it's if somebody falls or if somebody is hurting then like they don't know how to I mean well somebody will always be there to pick you up okay so it's just 
a very welcoming and nurturing environment. Yeah. Yeah. And fun. And, you yep. know, you have an incredible blog. And we're going to lead people there. It's Brooklyn Active Mama. And there's four Fs. And we joked about this because we said maybe there should be a fifth. But that's only my input, not yours. The fifth would be X-rated and only come out when you're really emotional. But the, the four Fs are fitness, family, fashion, and fun. And, you know, we're kind of hitting on pretty much all of them right now. Um, but this whole idea of fashion and fun and how all of these things can come together into fitness, which is, you know, one of your founding principles in your life. Um, you mentioned, see, I don't, there's so many ways I want to go with this. This is so cool. You mentioned, uh, the fashion part. I mean, you're a skirt sports ambassador and, uh, we're all about making clothing that fits women's bodies well and helps them find happiness in their bodies. You know, you talked about how part of the fun of running was being able to dress up and like Mm -hmm. wear clothing that made you excited. Oh yeah. I kind of want to learn more about where this came from for you. So I used, when I started working out, I guess in college, I used to wear these really, really horrible oversized T-shirts and black leggings. Um, Nothing wrong with black leggings, but black leggings that probably weren't even meant for me to be working out in. And, you know, that's how I showed up every day. And it was just like, okay, I'm just going to go do this. But then I discovered how awesome you feel when you're going to work out and you look good to work out. That is a game changer for me. Well, it is for sure, because working out is where you're digging deep and yeah. and you're finding kind of primal places in yourself. And so holding on to that, you know, fun or girly side, I think really resonates with some people. Not everybody, but some people. Yeah. Definitely. I, definitely. But when I, it's funny because I run a lot of races in New York City, I, because I don't know if you know, but to get a guaranteed entry to the New York City Marathon, you have to run nine races during the year. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So I like to keep my options open because I really love the New York City Marathon. I'm not running it this year, but I'm pretty sure I'm going to run it next year. So I run nine races a year plus sometimes and it's because it's easy. And the thing is, is that all of my friends, because I'm a part of the uh, Black Girls Run Network as well as a couple of other running networks uh, in New York. And all of my girlfriends from the Black Girls Run Network, they're always like, hey, so why aren't you wearing a skirt? Because they're so used to me wearing skirt sports. They're like, wait, what's going on? Are you okay? Like, are you feeling right? And and then I have to tell them, they're like, no, no, no. These capris are from skirt sports too. And they're like, oh, okay. It's fine. fine." Oh, that's hilarious. I have been like, deemed the skirt sports girl and um so it's awesome and they know that I'm always having a good time because for some of these races you get free race photos so like I want to look my best so that I can use these photos for blogging in the future well absolutely you're bringing all of your your facets together here you know you live in a big city and I can imagine it's sort of intimidating when you decide you're going to become a runner and you're going to do this race you're going to do this Disney thing but you have to learn how to train and train in the winter 
in oh. New York City. So how does somebody who lives in a place where they don't even know where they, do they run on the sidewalk? Do you run on a street? Do you have to find a park? Like how does somebody get started? Well, it's very, that's a very interesting question because you can pretty much run anywhere. For me, I run the sidewalk because I don't want to think about it. I don't want to think about where cars are coming from, could be coming from, pulling out of parking spots. That's too much thinking for me. So I run on the side on the sidewalk, and I usually run to a park. So I have a park that's exactly a mile away from me, and I run to that park, and I run all over that park. I, I've done entire twenty mile training runs in that park, and come right back on the sidewalk. Now. It's really whatever you're most comfortable with because I've definitely seen a lot of runners on the, on the streets and I've seen runners on the side of highways. Um, if they pretty much, New Yorkers, they, they run everywhere. So it's really about your comfort level. Well, and you you mentioned uh, Black Girls Run, and so you know we all know this is a that's a huge community group and very welcoming. Yeah. How important is it to have accountability partners and friends and a community to to include this kind of activity with? Oh, it's so important, and I I wrote about this the other day. It's so important for your mental health because it's so easy to get up in the morning and say, you know, I think I'm going to skip this run today, and then before you know it, skipping that run has turned into two weeks of skipping that run. So it's really important to have people that you can kind of tap into, even if you're not talking to them every day, but you can see them post. You can see that, oh, man, she got up this morning and she did three miles. I can at least do that. So it's super important to kind of have that place where you can go for motivation. Oh, I, I think that motivation question is huge. I mean, pretty much people are always seeking, how can I better motivate myself when I don't feel like doing it? Yeah, for sure. And it's, 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 it's priceless, to be honest. It's like when you see it and you finally get that feeling to go, it's, it's really worth everything. Um, I want to talk a little bit about your career path because I think you've had to face some big decisions that are important to get down and dirty on because pretty much everybody listening has felt the ripples and the stirrings of change in their lives and making big decisions um, are always hard. So let's talk a little bit about your career path because this is where I really see this having occurred for you. Um, I want you to explain what you used to do for a living and what you do now. Okay. So I used to be an account manager for a global financing firm uh, for the past, oh man, like 12 years or so, for 12 years. And it was, it was one of my first jobs coming out of college. And I, you know, I started out in operations and then I moved all the way up to account management. And it was really amazing, a really fantastic paying job, great benefits, all of it. And I realized last year, last July to be specific, that I was not happy. And it's, it's, really, it's really funny because a lot of people aren't happy at their jobs and they still have a lot of bills to pay. And they still have... You know, a like I have a Brooklyn mortgage I have to pay, and, and and it's really difficult to make those types of decisions. But 
at the very same time, I had always been putting my heart and soul into my blog. And my blog has been making consistent money for at least two years now. So it, it, it came to a point where I had to make the decision to, one, be home with my kids more and be able to pick them up and drop them off to school um, without having to ask my mom to do so and be here, be here during the formative years of their life. And that was a really, it was really important to me and it still is very important to me right now. And it was a matter of, okay, well, I'm going to take a ginormous pay cut to do this entrepreneur thing and, and while I do it, be here for my kids. So it was really that decision that kind of brought me into myself and into realizing that I had a lot more in me than I realized in the beginning. You know, you said that you realized at some point a year or so ago that you weren't happy in your job. Were you not happy in your life and you were trying to figure out what was the issue and, and it kind of pointed to your job and your inability to be with your kids? Or how did you recognize that you weren't happy? What were the signs and symptoms? What was your process? Uh, my process was I when I went to when I went to work there was no happy it was like a it was like a dead zone <laughs> it was like when I when I went there there was nothing passionate about it there was it was just doing what I had to do every day you know crossing the t's dotting the i's and then coming home to blog and then when I blogged it was happy and when I went to events it was so much happy and it was to the point where I had, I was taking all of my days off from the job to do something blogging related. So it was just, I was always pulled towards the blogging industry and my happy was always in the blogging industry. It was, it was in the little things like editing photos and writing bios and lots of things like those things made me happy. And I couldn't wait to get home and get on my laptop, like to the point where I was commuting back and forth from you know the city to Brooklyn to Brooklyn to the city and it was about an hour and a half each way so three hours of my day but guess what during those three hours I was writing blog posts I was editing pictures I carry my laptop with me every day I was writing emails like pitching companies these are things that I was doing on my three-hour commute every single day so then it was a really about the shift where oh my goodness I want to how, how is it possible? How can I make it happen where I can be in my happy full time? Mm, that's a really good question for people. And, yeah. you know, um, when you make decisions that are based solely on money, yeah. they're, they're often not the right decision that aligns with your heart and your soul, right? Oh, yeah. I learned that very quickly. I cannot believe how I am able to survive now <laughs> I was like how what was I doing with all my money before <laughs> like, because I was like wait I was making all this money and like now I'm not but I'm super happy and I'm still okay you know yeah so it's really it really changed my mindset on money and how I'm able to manage it and make things great without necessarily having a million dollars you know what I mean 
Well, how, for those people who are listening, who are sort of paralyzed by the fear of losing money or not making enough money, what advice do you have for them? Uh, my advice is to, because before I left my job, and this is very important, because anybody who asks me about entrepreneurship or just quitting their job, I'm like, okay, don't do it without these things. <laughs> um, my number one piece of advice is to have a year's worth of savings. And I left with a year's worth of savings, meaning that even if I didn't make a dollar on my blog for a year, I would be okay. So that was super important to have. And that would always kind of have me at ease. Mm -hmm. um, so that was very important. Um, the next thing is, it's not as hard or as scary as it seems. And I went through so much when I finally decided to put in my three weeks and say, hey, I'm not no longer going to be here. It was like I would wake up in the middle of the night and tap my husband and be like, but what if, but what if, but what if? And he always had an answer for me. So it was like, it, it, it's not an easy decision. It's not like you're going to get up in the morning and just decide to quit and you're going to quit and everything's going to be fine. It's going to be a lot of struggle. It's going to be, you know, a lot of planning, but it's really, really important that you know what you're doing, you know your why, and you go for it and you have confidence in yourself. Oh, you know your why. And that why doesn't form like solidly overnight. No. So yes, it's letting yourself go through this uncomfortable process. Yes. You know, we, you also mentioned um, at some point here the power of finding your voice and saying no to things. Mm-hmm. So what, how did that start for you? Did you used to be a yes girl all the time? Yes to everything, yes to every opportunity? Um, well, yes, I was. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when it came to blogging especially, um, if a brand jumped into my inbox and they're like, oh, we want to work with you, and whether or not it was for free or not, it was like, yes, of course I want to work. You know, it could be a really big brand, that's approaching me and they're like, we want to work with you for free. And I'm like, okay, you know, but then it realized that, you know, you kind of have to put some value on your time, value on your skill, and you can't say yes to everything. Mm -hmm. And that's a, that's a powerful place to get because I know a lot of people, myself included, who sometimes struggle to say no. And I think there's a lot of power in, learning how and when to do that. Absolutely. Because there, there are times where you're going to do things for free and you want to build a relationship, but it's about knowing when someone could potentially take advantage of you or knowing that you're going to get something equally as amazing out of it as the brand is. Yep. Absolutely. Well, we have, we're going to do a, a couple more questions here because we are having a great conversation. I could keep going forever, but, uh, but we've already <laughs> run our 5k today. So Man. I know, I know. So, you know, I, with people like you who are vibrant and successful in, in ways that, you know, help other people find happiness, I always want to find some of those little core things that make them tick. 
So what is there any one thing or a practice that you do every day that you cannot live without? Hmm. Um, I don't know. There's one thing that I do every single day. Well, yeah. Okay. So I have a planner, a paper planner. Uh, we are rare, but we are strong. <laughs> I use my paper planner for everything, for notes, for ideas, for event management, for uh, training, food management, meal planning, everything I use my planner for. And, I, and I'm in it every day. And, and as I sit here, I am looking at it. It's open. And I have my pen next to it. And it's it helps me a lot to see things when it's written down. It helps me to remember. And it also helps me to be more organized with my planner. Do you take a picture of it every night? Because you never know. Floods, fires, or generally someone might take it from you one day. But I just love this. I love it. Well, I it never leaves home. Oh, <laughs> great. That is so cool. You know, I'm also a paper person. I've got yeah. the to-do list and it just continues. It's always written down. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love that. And I think that says a lot about, it's it's about being organized in your own mind. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Whatever works, whatever your system is, is great. So what do you want to be doing in 10 years? Ooh, so... Um, in 10 years, my children will be 18 and 15, so they'll be getting ready to get on out. And, um, in 10 years, I'd probably want to have a business that I don't have to micromanage, um, a business that can run well, that can hire an amazing, some, someone amazing to manage it. And I want to be traveling. I actually am going to start traveling a lot. Uh, in the next couple of years. And, and in 10 years, I hope to be traveling a lot more. So you are going to build on this, uh, on entrepreneurship, and you're going to push yourself out there into the world and help people find their happiness. I know that. Yeah. It's amazing. Well, let's tell people too, you have a Facebook group called um, Women Prioritizing Fitness, correct? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. We're going to have a link to that group because I think you said you do daily motivations. We do. So we just ended a challenge. We're starting a new one for September uh, where we challenge each other to work out four to five times a week and really be diligent and mindful about what you're eating. And if it's optional, if you want to set a weight loss goal, you can absolutely do that. But Daily, every single day, we check in to see who has worked out, what have they done, and we just applaud each other and cheer each other on. Which I love, and there's at least a 1,000 women in there, so you are not alone. So join the group. I love it. Um, one other thing, too, is uh, we're actually featuring you. Skirt Sports is featuring you this month, and we're doing a giveaway of your favorite outfit. So what are we going to be giving away? Um... Well, I would probably want to give away the jet skirt because it's my fave. It's super uh, cute. Looks awesome on you. Super cute. I always get so many compliments when I wear it, and I use it. I actually like to. Use, I like to use it to run, but I really like to use it to lift because you know you're just like in the mirror all the time. And you look really cute, so it's awesome. <laughs> hey, it'll keep you motivated. Great. I mean, <laughs> 
Cool. All right. Well, we'll be giving away an outfit and uh, we'll hunker down on what that is here, but we will be sending all of you to the link so you can sign up to win Nellie's favorite skirt sports outfit. Um, Before we go here, I always ask every guest on the show one final question. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. So if you could give our listeners one final nugget, one piece of advice to help them run their worlds in a bigger and better way, what would it be? It would be to be loyal and always never forget the people that were there for you because you can always build upon your network and people use people in really good ways and it's just really important to stay loyal support people even when you know you feel like you don't feel like it you know just support people be there for them and never ever forget when they were there for you and that definitely shows who you are at heart. So thank you so much for sharing your your life with us today. Sure. All right. Well, let's do this over and out. Hey there, everyone. That was an awesome interview. As you could hear, Nellie is a very special person with a warm, welcoming, and non-judgmental way about her. If you crave this energy, be sure to join her Facebook group, Women Prioritizing Fitness. It's free. It's an incredible accountability tool, especially if you take on her challenges. And speaking of challenges, Skirt Sports is launching a Nelly Challenge giveaway from September 15th through 22nd. Nelly is throwing down a challenge. It's a throwdown. Anyone can enter, and we're giving away her favorite outfit. So you would go again to skirtsports.com backslash win dash big for more info. Her contest will start on September 15th. You know, when I think about this episode and really stew on this great conversation, one of my favorite quotes from Nellie is this, when I do things, I do things big. I love that. It means all in, right? But remember that big is relative. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's monumental. For some of you, big can be taking your first step towards a 5K. So I guess I I take that back. That is monumental for someone who hasn't done a 5K. For other people, it could be training for your first 100 miler. So for all of us, big is relative. For me, big sometimes means just getting in a 30-minute workout in my busy life. The point is that when you're in it, be all the way in it. All right, everyone. On that note, I'll let you get back to your workouts. But maybe take a moment to pause and think about your core values, as Nellie explained hers. No matter what they are, make sure that you are in it while you're thinking it. Because guess what, everybody? You know what time it is. It's time to get out there and run this world. So have a great workout, and we'll see you next week.